0: You scratching, Phil? Yeah. Is that how you put yourself through college? Yeah, old habits die hard. Put down that cardboard. Doing some break dancing. <laughs> Welcome back, guys. Another week of barstool politics. Yes. What, what episode is this? Are we creeping up on twenty-nine? That's almost good. To Thirty.
1: A big 3-0 yeah. next week. <clears throat> uh, yeah. Awesome. And Phil Barker's here. You he almost didn't make it. You weren't feeling well earlier this afternoon, but it's good to see you. Uh, we're nice back. and perky. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do you want to tell
2: the audience members what cured your, your ailment? Ham. 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 <laughs> I was feeling awful this afternoon, and then I ate a big old ham full of ham, and oh, worked wonders. I'm feeling great. <laughs> so, not only do you learn about politics on this podcast, but there's also
1: some good health care information. Home remedies. Yes. Have a migraine? Eat some ham.
0: <laughs> um, lot of... A lot of international stuff this week. A lot of international. And media stuff.
1: A lot of media, international. Trump was modern-day presidential this week. Oh, Um, yeah. More so than ever. It was, you know, I I think we make an effort not to talk every week about Trump's behavior, but then there are some weeks where you have to, and I think this is one of them, Well,
0: we're going to look back on this as the start of the great meme war, and, you know, we'll say we were there. and We have a record of
2: it, so. Mm. Um... It, it does seem like this week's the the tweeting and the, the stuff that, that Trump was doing was, even by Trump standards, was kind of above and beyond, right? Like that was, that seemed a lot of people's reaction.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's, yeah. Okay, so quickly to summarize, so it started a week ago today. Uh, I'm guessing after watching uh, the episode of Morning Joe, Trump, Trump was angry about, their criticism of him, and uh, he hopped on the Twitter, and he described uh, co-host Mika Brzezinski as a quote low IQ crazy Mika, and claimed in a series of Twitter posts that she had been bleeding badly from a facelift during a social gathering at Mr. Trump's resort in Florida <laughs> around New Year's Eve. Uh, it, was,
2: it wasn't. It, he, he says in the tweet that I was it, that Mika and Joe, Joe whatever, Joe's cover, wanted yeah. wanted to join him at Mar-a-Lago. But she was bleeding badly and he said no. So it wasn't just that he ran into them and she was bleeding. It was like they wanted to hang out with him and he said no because she was bleeding.
1: uh, Apparently it was all not true as well, right? I mean, so it's that's
2: the other thing is because because if you were bleeding from a facelift, why would you go out? On its face. It's just wrong. They're very vain people. Right.
0: And she's not smart. He said that.
1: (laughs) But, But so she has to come out and say, like, you know, we I didn't have a facelift. They have a picture of her not clearly Not bleeding, Joe Scar. Joe, it's Scarborough. What's his last name?
0: Joe. Scarborough.
1: Yeah, he's got apparently all sorts of uh, uh, communications with the administration. He says that this all proves that he's wrong. Right? I mean, Trump should know better. Oh, okay. So there was that. It's hilarious. (laughs) I don't care if he's wrong or not. It's hilarious. It was a a (laughs) bizarre story, and and upset Republicans, Democrats. It caused like the, the natural reaction where everybody comes out and says, "This has to stop. This is terrible." uh then, a number of uh women in congress were uh, republicans in particular were criticizing him um, but i, I think if, I, I sent you a text phil and i said will any of this matter and you said no
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah you were you were on vacation or something yeah. and you said you hadn't seen the the, the, the uh, response and i said that People that day were going crazy on Twitter. People were pissed, up in arms, and I my prediction was in two days they will have moved on and forgotten, which oh, is yeah. kind, kind of what's happened. Mm. It, it,
1: it, the story <laughs> stuck around until Sunday morning <laughs> when yeah. Trump tweeted out the now infamous CNN tape. Oh. Um, <laughs> so. Which I'm sure everybody has seen, uh, portraying him wrestling a real WWF wrestling match, uh, punching a figure whose head had been replaced with the logo for CNN.
2: But but let's be clear, it didn't portray him doing this. Yeah, that's right. Because let's all remember that our current president was a character in professional wrestling. So it is a real clip of Donald Trump Uh, wrestling, you know, beating up somebody who someone else just slapped a CNN over their face and Trump retweeted it. The, the New York Times, and I just want to, this is their description of this.
1: So they had a long description of what, and it says, quote, cartoonish in quality. The video is an unorthodox way for a sitting president to express himself. Uh. <laughs> you know, they're just, the media is running out of ways to describe this. So, yeah, so uh, the Mika Brzezinski story is hot until Sunday when this comes up, and then literally Twitter explodes uh, with the reaction to all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, I don't know, what do we make of all this? This is a... Is it a big deal, not a big deal? Nick?
0: I think it's hilarious. Yeah, I think Personally. it's
1: funny.
0: <laughs> well, I, yeah, this is... Like, I mean, obviously, it's it's childish and, mm-hmm. and juvenile. And a, a sitting president or a non-sitting president shouldn't be doing something like that. Modern-day presidential, Modern-day presidential, sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry that we only communicate with memes now. Yeah. Um, but... Um, what what, I I mean like we've somehow come to expect something like this out of him at yeah. this point for better or worse. What I continuously laugh at and like at the same time, I'm kind of pissed about, but I'm in no way surprised. Is just the media just keeps biting into yeah, this no, that's shit. Right. and they just like there's they they can't help themselves, and like it, we all and we were talking about it, like it goes away two days later. There's going to be yeah. something else. All you got to do is shut the fuck up. And, like, don't respond to it. But this, this I think, yes. But this you had to, right? <laughs> no, but, the, okay, here's the thing. This is how you respond to it. Yeah. Yeah, it's childish, what do you expect? Mm-hmm. We don't need a diatribe about, you know, the efficacies of using memes. And, you know, a CNN reporter trying to find the guy who made it and yeah. then potentially, possibly, maybe blackmailing him to make sure he doesn't do anything like that again, finger wagging. But this
1: was, I I think to Phil's earlier point, it's hard, and actually to go back to your analogy from months ago about the prison analogy, right? Where you just get used to being in prison. Even though I think we're used to Donald Trump, this was something unique. This was one where you, you went, he really did that. He really yeah. showed a video of him beating up CNN, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the idea of using violence against journalism—that the president is doing this—like, really, yeah. is it violent? Like, that's yes, 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 Why yes, Is, it, is, is
2: yes. it
0: violence against... All right, so here's yes. A thing.
2: There were there were pic- there were things circulating on the inter- on the same like Reddit page this came off of later that day. With pictures of all of the Jewish employees of CNN with like targets on them, right? Like, I mean, this is this is where. Like, have you
0: seen it, Reddit? Do you go on Reddit ever? That's all of Reddit,
2: <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> but uh, go I on your go Reddit. on a
0: teenager's phone right now. I defy you to find a teenager that doesn't have one of those memes in there. I'm not saying it's
2: right. I'm just saying a this is. A- so, you're saying all teenagers have memes targeting Jews on their phones? I would say more than some. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying,
0: like, the, 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 the distasteful kind of rhetoric that, and, you know, this um, uh, just kind of casualness that people, you know, talk about or, or kind of express feelings or, or jokes about these sort of things is significantly more widespread than especially the media is aware of at this point. Again, I'm not saying it's right. Yeah, but
1: but there's a difference between some knuckleheads doing it, which again doesn't make it right. Yes, and the president of the United right. States I thinking agree. like this is great. I agree. I'm gonna tweet that out. So, I I don't disagree with that. Yeah,
2: so, yeah. So I I'm on this issue. I like there's kind of two sides to this. One of which is I, I totally there's part of me that agrees with Nick. Right. That there there's a whole bunch of stuff going on right now. Right. The healthcare stuff. The north korea stuff the russia investigation and this plays into trump's hands beautifully when the media goes up in arms about something like this right and so we're all busy while while mitch mcconnell's trying to pass this massive legislation that restructures a sixth of our economy we're all you know uh you know oohing and aahing over this tweet that trump sent out so I, yeah, and on one hand, I think you're right, Nick, that it like it totally overplays and overhypes, us. and the media, because he's attacking the media, I think reacts even more passionately. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's that part of it, but I also think there's this other part, which is that I, it is like prior to uh, prior to this January, it would have been unheard of yes, for yes, a president yes. to do anything <laughs> even remotely this one insane yeah. or two this targeted at the media right the extent to which he has demonized the media as like the pro- the problem in all of america uh, you know we i we all have our issues with the media right but that that's different from what trump is doing which is like demonizing them and making them sort of enemy number 1 right so on one hand it, it kind of plays into his hands and so ignoring it is the right response on the other hand like it, it's it's crazy right like i mean it is like, when you read that stuff that he wrote about about mika brzezinski and about the um, oh yeah that's a fucking batshit yeah it's it's like it's like you know like it, it sounds like something that an eight-year-old you know boy would, it's like the, it's like an eight-year-old boy's like playground taunt although i did see who was it rachel drach or somebody on twitter said something about rachel how, uh, Dratch. every i know the former <laughs> snl person but i thought this tweet was really good she said something about how everybody keeps talking about how uh Trump behaves like an eight-year-old boy, but she's never met an eight-year-old boy that was this much of a dick. <laughs> 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 <that's> pretty appropriate.
1: <laughs> I you know, I find and there's some it is funny. You're right, Nick, right? I mean it it's is hilarious. It is funny. And so it's it's you know, it's easy to get offended at it, but there's and again, I never want to give Trump too much credit for being strategic. I think most of this is just a gut reaction that he sees this and says, I like it, yeah. I'm sending out. But it's funny in a really troubling way right i mean this is like it's entertaining he is in some ways like this this clip of him in wwf him as a wrestler like that that's who he is right that captures a lot of his sensationalism uh all of the sort of crazy weird dynamic stuff but but what does it do to the presidency right i i don't think we could think of any other president in recent or any point in u.s history Mm -hmm. where we could think they engaged in this kind
0: of behavior well i mean We've talked about it before, but there's really only two ways this can go at this point. Whenever he leaves office, whether it's four years or eight years at this point, I don't think there's any way he's getting impeached. <clears throat> um, whoever comes next is going to do a complete 180 and go back to being a standard, very conservative, a regular president that we're fairly used to. Or, I hope so, or we go off the cliff Right. And it turns into Idiocracy, and
1: well, that, that's right.
0: Right. He, he is <clears throat>
1: challenging all these norms. Yeah. And you're, my, my initial assumption is, all right, we have Trump, and then it goes back to normal. But it may not, right? It, it may not. And we, we keep saying that, oh, this is history, and that this is going to change the world. And, and maybe it does temporarily. But if he is just the beginning of a wave mm-hmm. of this kind of politician, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I don't even want to think about that.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Phil? Phil?
2: No, no, I think you're right. I mean, I think I think the 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 odds on that is that we'll go back to something more normal. But what this does, I mean, the the deal with norms and and sort of expectations about politicians is that when he does this, he sort of broadens what is viewed as acceptable. Right. And so it's not the normal politicians that you're going to be concerned about. It's when you get into the next election and someone's falling behind and they're like getting more desperate to make up a gap then the range of options that are available to them are different than they used to be prior to this, right? There There were certain things you just didn't do before. And now that thing, the range of things that you just can't do is a lot smaller, right? There's a lot more stuff that we view as crazy now, But, you know, as we go down the road, it's it's less crazy. It's been done before. It worked for Donald Trump. So maybe so-and-so tries it next time. Um, and that's where the, the sort of constraints, these informal constraints, get stretched. And that's how things change in the long run, I think.
0: Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. So, I, I mean, what's the more likely scenario right now? Is it more likely that he's going to continue to do this if there's a limited to no reaction from major media outlets or if they keep biting into this shit constantly that he's 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 a schoolyard bully right yeah. so if you keep playing into it what do you think he's gonna do he's not gonna stop like, he he
1: needs the the he needs the attention yeah he, and he needs that kind of good guy bad guy dynamic uh, and he had it in Hillary Clinton during the campaign. Right now, it's the media. Right, so it has
0: to be. It has and to. And CNN's either... not doing themselves any favors over no. the past week. Well, either. that's
1: that's that's a fair critique, right? I mean, so CNN. Although you know, the interesting thing is, it's not. He goes after CNN in particular, but he also goes after Ms. Uh, NBC, ABC, CBS, sure. The Times, The Post. I mean, it is. It's and that's troubling because it's not just picking on one outlet. He's saying the media as a whole is fake news. Sure. Uh, and that's, you know, there's a difference between negative coverage, right? I mean, the coverage that is critical of him and being fake, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, which is a, a nuance that he doesn't get. But, yeah, I, I
2: don't know. Yeah, I, 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 we, we talked about this last week with the, the idea that the media is not blameless in this, right? Like, sure. CNN is... Uh, you know this is good for CNN i imagine right i don't i don't know i haven't looked at the ratings i don't know but i assume you know if you buy into the whole uh, any publicity is good publicity right like that's yeah. that's part of it and CNN right like they're 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 certainly the victim in this right the president is like targeting them but CNN again right they'll do stuff for ratings they have a slew of Of people who are ex-Trump staffers and people who are Trump, you know, uh, mouthpieces on their network that are being paid, right? Like, if CNN really felt that strongly about this, they could behave in ways that would demonstrate that more so than, you know, these sort of tweeting back at him as as they've been doing. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, um, yeah. I, I don't know. Like, I mean. Let's, let's think about the, the series of things that have happened over the past week with, with CNN. So you had the retra- uh, retraction of the one Russia story. Right. You had, whether it's verifiable or not, the Project Veritas video that came out. You had Van Jones saying that the Russian story was a, what did he call it, a nothing burger or something like that? And it's purely been done for ratings at this point? I like nothing burgers. I yeah. didn't see that. Something yeah. like that? And then you have the story, which we were talking about before we started recording, about the reporter talking about how they found the guy who made the, uh, the Trump meme with CNN. And I, I just want to read this again, real quick. It's from the CNN story. It's from the CNN story, which I, I'm shocked that they published this. Um, so the guy's uh, Reddit handle was Han Asshole Solo. just so everyone's aware. Yeah. Um, CNN is not publishing... Han Asshole Solo's name because he's a private citizen who has issued an extensive statement of apology, showed his remorse by saying he has taken down all his offending posts, and because he said he is not going to repeat this ugly behavior on social media again. In addition, he said his statement could serve as an example to others not to do the same. CNN reserves the right to publish his identity should any of that change. (laughs) (laughs) How elitist and just fucking patronizing can you be I, 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 like it, I read that I go that can't that can't be a real story like <laughs> so I, I yeah people like have t-
2: been people have been all over CNN about well I, people on both sides have been all over CNN so some people have argued that this is essentially blackmail or threatening to you know dock someone to release their their personal information for everyone to see um, other people who have applauded CNN for this, I don't know. I'm kind of with you. Like, I, So I, I I come somewhere in the middle in that I think that uh, uh, CNN has the right to not publish this guy's name. But yeah. to do it in the way that they right. did it, it I, the way you write that up is that CNN has chosen to withhold so-and-so's private information right. or whatever. Yeah. Not to like put this long lecture in there the about how they've seen the, the light and they've come around. And, right. and this veiled threat that if they don't do what they've agreed to, we'll will release their name to the public. Yeah, I, I, I agree <laughs> with you, Nick. I'm sorry. I don't necessarily is... have a problem with, with them sort of making a deal, right? If the guy says, "I, you know, I feel terrible, I shouldn't have done it, I was being stupid, and CNN says, that's cool, we won't publish your name. But that's fine, that's their right, right. but.
0: <laughs> I feel like it should be, I don't want you to publish my name even though you know who I am. I think I have a right for you not to do that. Is that not the case?
2: No, a a journalist can publish your name if they want. Like, if they find out that you're, you know, doing crazy stuff on, they they can do that.
0: And he put, I mean, he put this out on Reddit, right? I mean, so he's he's doing this, and he did it under. I mean, nobody puts their own name on there, regardless. So they had to do some digging to find out who it was. But when it becomes a story, right? I mean, so it becomes, if
1: if it had just been him tweeting this, or not tweeting, putting this story out there, and then Donald Trump retweeted, it's fine. The story begins when you dig a little deeper, and you find out that all the racist and anti-Semitic things that he said, and then that our president didn't do his homework, and is tweeting
0: out I don't you know. think anyone's under the assumption that the president did his homework.
1: No, right, but that's significant, right? I mean, he is that somebody from the administration is uh, looking at this material and saying either either Trump himself or somebody within the administration is sharing this. Like somebody's is is reading material from this anti-Semitic, racist uh, guy and saying this guy's got it. I, I don't know. I, I think that that but,
2: becomes a story. Hmm the story in all of this yeah the bigger story is that the president lacks any impulse control right, right like yeah, yeah. He, you you <laughs> poke him and he lashes out like without yes, yeah. thinking right and and in this case I, like that's bad in these sorts of cases it's terrifying when you think about it in terms of foreign policy or something like that mm-hmm. right because
1: up until this point all of it's been silly stuff it's been with journalists it's been with CNN or MSNBC or morning joe whatever it is it's not to the, to the same degree with another leader, no. Kim Jong-un or whatever that is, when that happens... Doesn't that kid have anything
0: better to <laughs> oh, do? Oh, my
1: God. It's, <laughs> I
0: think that was the quote. Yeah,
1: and Trump does not remember all of the old tweets he has. When you go back through some of those old tweets, like everything comes around and it makes yeah. him look like the biggest hypocrite. All right, well, before right, we, we got to talk North Korea, but before yeah. we do, uh, I was telling you guys before we went on air, there was a panel out at the Aspen Institute, uh, David Rothkoff, the former head of uh, foreign policy, he's uh, Columbia, Washington Post uh, writer. Uh, He did this panel with uh, David Petraeus. Mm -hmm. And the final question, he asked David Petraeus, is Donald Trump fit for office? And David Petraeus responds by saying, that's immaterial. (laughs) Because the people around him are so good. So it doesn't matter whether or not the president is fit for office because he's got a strong supporting cast. And well, hang on. Maybe the outcome
0: after this is that we just don't have a president. Well, okay. That, that's, uh, that's scary. So, we have a solitary so, council going forward. Either
2: either that is an incredibly polite way of saying that he's not fit for, serv- for, for yes. the presidency, right? Or he's insane, right? Because right. it matters if the president is fit to be president. This this
1: is a good question, right? So, so, yeah. And there's different. It depends on what fit for office means. Do we think that he is just... Uh, immature, impulsive, not intelligent, or is he what others were suggesting this week, including uh, the co-host of, of uh, Morning Joe, that something is happening with Trump, right? Uh, that there, you know, there's some dementia, there's some, there's been some change in his behavior uh, so, that would make him so, unfit for office.
2: So I want to push back on that yeah. a little bit because I saw that a lot too, and I think that, like, I, I saw lots of people saying that this shows signs of you know mental degradation or whatever this is the donald trump we've known all along exactly exactly how he acted in this is exactly how he acted for eight years of obama's presidency it's exactly how he acted throughout the campaign like if you're at all shocked that he's doing this then like you've been blind you've not been paying attention right this is who he is
1: I think that's the exact right response right and but it's an easy out for people to say like oh now he suddenly has dementia yeah like no he was always this way and you voted for him right and now you you're reluctant to accept the fact that you elected a child and yeah he's 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 been the same throughout all of this whether it's the birther stuff or his days at wwf it's all it's he's very consistently immature and impulsive Mm.
2: Yeah, somebody saw, somebody on on Twitter this week was saying that if this is the event that led you to think that Donald Trump has gone too far, right, right? (laughs) then I'm not concerned with your opinion, You haven't been paying attention. If this is the event that pushed you over the limit.
1: Right, okay, so I'm I'm pretty clear I think he's unfit for office. Um, Anyone wanna make a case for him being fit?
2: Nick, maybe? I'll make a case for him being fit. Yeah, give you're, me a minute. you're wrong, Barker. <laughs> no, I'm not, saying, I'm not saying I agree with this, but I'll play the devil's advocate. Yeah, unless unless you have a, unless you want to say something, Nick.
0: No, please, you go ahead. I need a second.
2: <laughs> no, there, I mean, there's nothing that says what makes someone fit to be off fit for the office, right? If you take a, a strict sort of constitutional historical perspective, right, Donald Trump, what makes him not fit for office? Is he under 35? Is he not a citizen? Right? He meets all the requirements. Mm-hmm. Just because we don't like him and we yeah. think he's crazy and we think that he's dangerous in the office, that doesn't mean that he's not fit for office. This is – he was elected, right? Yeah. People chose him. Um, they put him into office. He might be bad. He might be a terrible president. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that he's not fit for office. Now, I, that's a little different from the question you're asking. But but asking about fitness for office is sort of such a mushy thing that it's yeah. hard to kind of actually say Here's where, you know, here's where it becomes a problem.
1: I think that's right. And if we want to say, if you want to impeach him for some crime that he committed, that's that's fine. That's Or for whatever reason you want to impeach him, that's, that's reasonable. But I don't like this idea to say, well, suddenly he's not fit. Mm-hmm. I don't think he was fit during the Republican primary, right? He made himself very clear that he was a very distinct candidate and people elected him knowing full well the kind of the kind of candidate and person he is yes yeah so i I,
2: this is this is where you get back to institutions again and i i do you know i this is i love institutions it's kind of what i study and i study europe and i'm i am a big fan of parliamentary systems and one of the things I like about it is in the parliamentary system, there don't have to be crimes. There don't have to be, you know. You can, if if the prime minister loses the confidence of the legislature, they're out, right? They they're booted from office. You hold a new election, and that seems like a more interesting, valid question, right? Not is he fit? Has he violated some constitution? If he has lost the confidence of the of the of you know the parliament of his own party, that seems like that's the question to ask, right? And if we were in a system like that, would we be at a point where Trump had lost? the confidence of the people um and that you know that's 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 a you know that's a i don't it's still subjective but it seems like an easier question to ask it's about do people believe he can do the job or not it's not about necessarily you know fitness in a in a this kind of hard rigorous kind of way well
0: again i think it's there probably has been almost no movement on on that question when you talk about the division in the country i would still suggest that it's Somewhere around forty-five percent still think that he's fit for office and he should be there. Something like that. He's still it's not w- fit for it by point. Holding eighty percent among Republicans. Right. Um, yeah, no, I mean, he's it's,
2: he's his he's, approval numbers were in free fall, but they've largely stabilized, yeah, sort right. of upper thirties, and they've been there for a while now. Mm-hmm.
1: And that's the thing. I mean, not only he's been successful to that extent that not only is he he's stabilized those. They're not great. They're terrible, but they're they're stable. He is shifting a lot of Republican voters into positions that Republicans would generally not be. So like, there was a NBC Wall Street uh, Journal poll that came out recently, said that 65 percent of Republicans said that Russian Russia did not intervene in the U.S. elections. Mm-hmm. I mean, so he's he's had that effect where he's shifted Republicans who traditionally are very anti-Russia are now buying the argument he's putting out there that Russia didn't intervene. That suggests he's, he's effective. No, although I still say unfit in a way that you know has been clear for a long time. And, and, so. and to be
2: to be fair, I one hundred percent agree with you that yeah, he's not sir. fit for office, yeah. despite my, despite my devil's advocate position.
1: Uh, speaking of unfit for office, should we talk to, about North Korea?
0: Yeah, should probably. Or do, do. or do we have something else on this? No, I, I mean I I think we're. We've talked about this in just about every episode at this point. Yeah, so, yeah. That's, yeah. Let's so, talk about someone else who's even crazier. So, so Phil, what did North Korea argue.
1: do
2: this week? <laughs> do what?
0: Did North Korea?
1: What did North Korea
2: do this week? Oh, uh, not, much. not much. Um no. So, North Korea on the fourth of July tested an ICBM, an intercontinental ballistic missile. Um, they did it on the fourth of July intentionally. Um, there were. Uh, North Korean leadership, get, you know, uh, Kim Jong-un gave speeches about how this was a gift to America on its Independence Day. Yeah, the American <laughs> bastards, uh, I think. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So they launched an intercontinental ballistic missile. Um, they launched it in a way, they launched it straight up. This this is sort of, uh, this is where my non-physics <laughs> yeah. major comes in. This is what's kind of mind-boggling to me. They launched it like 1,700 feet in the, in the air or into space, right? Yeah. So they launched it straight up and it came back down, it was in the air for like 35 minutes. Um, why does that matter? Well, it matters because uh, this is the most successful missile test they've had so far. They have they have had lots of missile tests, but uh, they were all sort of short range, middle, intermittent range missiles. Um, we did not think that they had the technology, and we thought they were a ways away from having the technology to develop <laughs> intercontinental missiles. So this is a big step forward for them. Um, Having said that, they don't think it could reach the continental U.S. They think if the missile launched successfully, they could reach Alaska. That's a that, that is granted a big step forward for them. A, the other thing to remember: there's
1: a lot of salmon in Alaska, Phil. Yeah, a man. lot of salmon.
2: Yeah, yeah. People too. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> the other thing is that uh, just to kind of uh, to calm fears to some extent, if people are freaked out by this. Um, the – they don't – we we don't believe they have the technology to actually mount a nuclear warhead on right, right. this So they, they have developed – yeah. they have separately developed nuclear weapons, right? So they have detonated nuclear uh, weapons, not particularly big ones, but they've detonated them. And they have tested these missiles. So they have not been able to put the two together. So – but the thing that concerns people is that they're making progress much quicker than people expected. Yeah. And so uh, it caught a lot of people by surprise that they were able to pull this test off.
0: Mm-hmm. Go, Nick. <laughs> I, I, no, I, I mean, I, I do think that they're progressing faster than people thought. But let, I, let's, let's run this down from a, real, a realistic perspective. They have no way of mounting a nuclear weapon to this, which would be the only viable reason to launch an ICBM at this point.
1: All they gotta get is one of those shrink rays from Despicable Mountain. all they're good. Right? Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> um, they haven't miniaturized a nuclear weapon, so they can't mount that onto the weapon that doesn't work. They shot the weapon straight up into the air, which realistically means that they have no effective guidance system or anything that could get it to a particular location, which these are all significantly harder. Yeah. than shooting a rocket up into the air mm-hmm. um, and, and I mean even at that point like it, it like it's not a real ICBM I get it like it's it's a step forward but like let's let's look at who we're talking about and lower the expectations a little bit and I, I, I didn't really see a, a huge issue with it I think the pace is important, right? The
1: fact that we were assuming, or we, the intelligence community was assuming that it was probably a couple years away before they would be able to do something like this, this missile test, means that the sophistication
0: is speeding up. That's fine, but like, all right, let's say that that was the estimate. We have two years until they could potentially do this. What would have happened in the two years to get us more prepared for that? Nothing. So why does it matter? And, and I think we should talk about this, but I don't think there's
1: anything that the United States can do between now and when North Korea develops the shrink rate to shrink its nuclear weapons and put it on the top. I'm assuming they have all of their slave right. labor force working on it right To stop them, right? I mean, there's, there's, there's no reason for North Korea to shift course. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything that we could offer them, or we could talk about that, uh, or anything that we can threaten to do to them that would cause them to shift gears. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think we have to accept the fact that at some point, whether it's two years from now or ten years from now, mm-hmm. North Korea is going to have an intercontinental ballistic missile that they can put a nuclear warhead on, uh, and that's terrifying in one way, but it's, it's just a reality of international politics right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't think it fundamentally alters anything, because North Korea, at its core, does this as a defensive mechanism, right? They're worried about, Kim Jong-un is worried about his own stability in terms of internal (laughs) dissent, as well as uh, the United States or some other country trying to pursue regime change. It's a bargaining chip. Yes. Uh, Mm -hmm. And when they have a nuclear weapon, especially when they have an ICBM, nobody's going to do anything for them. Nobody's going to seek regime change. And that probably is where everything settles Mm -hmm. until, yeah, go ahead.
2: No, is is this some in, in some way, is this in some way similar to what we were talking about with Donald Trump and CNN, right? Like, is this oh, where yeah, like yeah. reacting in an over the top kind of way is actually giving North Korea what they want, right? I, I don't know if that's mm. like, is this a sort of an animosity in which they do this and we all ah panic and respond and that's what kim jong-un wants i don't know enough about the internal dynamics of his regime but i know that more than anything else he wants to stay in power right that's more than all the international crap he's concerned about his power at home
0: well i mean let's separate that argument for a second so we know that kind of related to what we were talking about the media and the general public because of the media is reacting heavily to this we have no idea what the internal um machinations of the u.s government and military especially are but I would suggest that they probably had an idea that this was coming and there's not going to be any real response to it.
2: I I don't know. I I mean, I think that, I don't think they knew that it was coming this quickly. I think that, I think they knew it was coming. I think they knew they were working towards it, but I think they underestimated the pace at which this was happening. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is where again, the whole Donald Trump is impulsive comes into play because again, how, you know, how does he respond? I, I, again, if this decision were totally left up to the U.S. military, State Department, sort of career people, bureaucrats, I would sleep well at night. But the part that worries me is how does Donald Trump react to this? Because he has made North Korea and the rhetoric around North Korea and the threats towards North Korea a big part of his, of his presidency, right? It's part of kind of what, one of his go-to things. Um, when he's, you know, when he gets worked up. And so I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with that.
1: You know, I would say, I think the, the reaction to their, to the test on the 4th of July was more significant in the United States and elsewhere around the world than it was in South Korea. Sure. Uh, there was an interview. They interviewed a number of people in South Korea. And they were talking about this. And they said, yeah, it was it was just another test, right? And this is something we've grown used to. Like, we're always worried about North Korea. Yeah. But the fact that they have an intercontinental ballistic missile doesn't change anything for South Korea. It doesn't change right. anything for Japan. Yeah. It does right. change things for the United States. And yeah. in some ways, I think South Korea might be more troubled by that. Does that cause the United States to become more bellicose, more warlike? Uh, Although, it sounds like everybody within the military establishment in the United States realizes that there are no good military options here. Mm-hmm. No matter what you do, if you try to carry out a small-scale attack on all their nuclear nuclear facilities, can't be done, you can't, you can't assure you're going to take it all out, and North Korea will respond in a conventional military way against South Korea and Japan in ways that are totally unacceptable. Mm-hmm. Mattis has talked about it would be the worst war we've seen in a generation right? Mm-hmm. I mean so Yeah, uh, yeah
2: twi- beyond beyond all of the nuclear technology right? So North Korea has um, a, like the world's most extensive artillery system yes. aimed at seoul where i i was surprised 25 million people live in seoul yeah so the estimates are like they open up their artillery and the estimates are you know a hundred thousand people killed in very short order yeah um probably much higher right so yeah but that that's the interesting part if you are in if you if you are in seoul in some ways that that question of how do you feel about this um you're worried about north korea but I would be maybe increasingly uneasy because I wouldn't be sure how Donald Trump and the U.S. would respond to this. Yes. Uh,
1: Because at the end of the day, I mean, if if I'm James Mattis or if I'm Rex Tillerson, I'm I'm sidling up to Donald Trump and I'm telling him, even if they get a ICBM capable with a nuclear weapon, we still have deterrence, you know, we can threaten them. There's no way that they would launch a nuclear weapon against us because that would end North Korea. Mm -hmm. And as bizarre as Kim Jong-un is, he, like you said, Phil, he wants to stick around. And so he's not likely to launch an ICBM with a nuclear weapon unless he feels totally threatened. So,
2: go ahead. It's an interesting dynamic, the the extent to which we're worked up about this, because we, we have thousands of nuclear weapons, far more powerful than anything North Korea has that have been the mainstay of our foreign policy for the past 70 years, right? And yeah. so we've dealt with crazy people before, right? We've dealt with Stalin and we've dealt with Mao and we've dealt with all of these other you know, leaders who had more power than, than North Korea and nuclear deterrence, has even with quote unquote you know crazy people yeah. has worked right like it it, it, it would be there's a, there's there is crazy and then there's a level of insane that it takes for you to launch a nuclear weapon knowing that you would be obliterated in response and I don't know that that, that you know Kim Jong Un is that level of crazy. Um,
0: I I yeah I I mean the the only caveat that I would have to that is even when you're talking about someone like Stalin or the USSR in general, you had this kind of sprawling bureaucratic military system that kind of, there were a lot of different voices in there that were kind of keeping that in check. This is, for all intents and purposes, one person who's running the country and they're going to follow his, um, his, uh, is it dictates? Is that sure. word? I like it, yeah. yeah. Um, whims? Whims, yeah. Yeah, I like whims better. Yeah. Uh, uh, significantly easier than in in any of those previous um, incarnations, I guess. Well, and that's what's
1: terrifying about all this is that you have Kim Jong-un and Donald Trump. Holding the fate of the world in their hands, right? We're, we're assuming that they will be rational in the way states are rational. has <laughs> said we have a whole
0: network of people right. that are keeping him are in it. check. It doesn't matter if he's crazy. It, no, Oh, yeah, but
2: but it does. <laughs> it does right. The whole network of people. He's still the one that has the right to push the button. Yeah. And if they tell him that's crazy, he can still say push the damn button. Well, and, and we should
1: it. We shouldn't get to this point, right? We shouldn't hope that the people around those, the around Kim Jong Un, and around donald trump are going to be the voice of reason we should hope that the those leaders right i mean you think back to to kennedy and khrushchev during the cuban missile crisis they were the voice of reason when the bureaucracy around them was arguing for craziness right and yeah. so that 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 scares the hell out of me right to think back to that scenario uh and then think about this scenario i was like oh the military will keep them in check i don't i don't know
2: Right. During the Cuban Missile Crisis, it was the military that was, or at least some within the military, who were arguing that nuclear war with Russia is inevitable. So let's do it now while we have an advantage, right? So That's that's, that's scary. Now, the other aspect of this, and this is where I don't, my lack of knowledge of North Korean politics comes into play, but in in reading things and listening, uh, The Daily, the New York Times uh, podcast this morning had an interesting discussion of this, um, where the question really is about the internal dynamics within North Korea, because we aren't necessarily sure how much control Kim Jong-un has because people are sort of gunning for him. And this is why you have random assassinations every now and then. And that the real fear the argument they were making was the real fear isn't what happens if you have stability and Kim Jong-un in power. It's if things start to unravel or if the system starts falling apart or if Kim Jong-un perceives that he's slipping, that he's losing power to someone else then does he do something desperate? Um, yeah, right. So, and, uh, yeah, well, I,
0: I mean, what's what's the play at this point? Because I mean, the other factor in this is is China, who clearly doesn't want to have any part of this situation at all right. at, at, at this point, but they are still their largest trading partner, mm-hmm. correct? Yeah. So, in some scenario, you know, there's additional sanctions put on, you know, from the international community, and then China cuts them off economically. I mean, not, that's not going to be good either, because nope. then you have a, well, you can't be a bear. We already use bear. Um, badger? <laughs> we'll go badger <laughs> in a corner. What, yeah. Whatever,
1: you know, whether you're talking about uh, economic sanctions mm-hmm. or diplomacy or a military option, all three of them are terrible, right? Because mm-hmm. right. if you're, you're talking about economic san- sanctions, that's not going to change their behavior. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've had a sanction, we, the international community, have had a sanctions regime on North Korea like we've never seen before. Mm-hmm. And they've only gotten more adamant about their nuclear program because of that. Diplomacy, North Korea is very clear that the only re- way they'll talk is if, if the international community accepts them as a nuclear power. Mm-hmm. That's
2: non-negotiable. Mm-hmm. And they, China China has pushed for the, the some negotiated deal where the US withdraws its troops from South Korea as well, which we're not likely to go for. Right, yeah. so
1: that's the, yeah, absolutely. That's the China-Russia response is that, uh, North Korea will stop testing as long as the United States and South Korea and Japan stop military actions in the re- in the region, and that's that. That's not an option for South Korea or the United States. So under so, I don't I don't see any way that Trump gets a victory here, right? And I don't think it's really right. his fault. There's nothing he can do that Something is a win,
2: can do. <laughs> right? Right. No. This, so yeah, I th- I think you're right in that. There's they're all terrible options but some are more terrible than others yes that's what worries me right so i don't think any of them are going to be successful right there's nothing that we can do that is going to magically stop north korea from pursuing nuclear weapons but deciding on military action seems to me more terrible than the others right so the others are maybe pointless but they don't necessarily wreak havoc the way that military action has the potential to do yeah um but that brings us back to what you started with bill which is sort of that maybe it's time for us to start learning to live with a nuclear north korea right like i that's not good i don't like that i don't i would rather the world not have a nuclear north korea but again maybe we fall back on nuclear deterrence and the sort of things that have worked in the past to prevent nuclear attacks and and we have to hope or put our faith in that because I, I i'm with you i don't see another way out of it yeah,
0: yeah. no I, I think it's more a likely scenario to have that occur um than to ratchet down more and make it even more difficult to um for the regime to stay in power i i think the real threat you know, compared to nuclear war and ICBMs and and you know the invasion of South Korea, is them um, using the technology that they have and outsourcing it somewhere else mm-hmm. that we're not aware of. At least, as far as we know, it's relatively contained within the regime at this point, which may not even be the case. But I'm going to say that because it makes me feel better. <laughs> um, but if they're In a corner and they have no other options or no other bargaining chips to to work with I can easily see them Selling nuclear materials to you know another Failed state or terrorist group or anything that's going to help them in that process. But I I I mean Any nuclear power that we've dealt with or that has you know come into the 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 foray is is you know a, a, a nation that's under that umbrella we've kind of learned to deal with and, you know, have acclimatized to each other's presence, and you know, some of that is because we generally came from the same, um, um, uh, what's the, um, um, cultural and, and, and background coming out of World War II. Um, I, 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 I don't know. Like, any, anything that relates to military action, whether it's through additional economic sanctions, or just, direct conflict, um, I, I, obviously that's the worst scenario possible. I think there's... I, I, I agree with you that I'm terror. I'm, terri- I'm, I'm, badger, I'm pushing my badger into a corner, <laughs> yeah, apparently. Well, no,
1: here, the one reason I think it's unlikely, although it's still possible, and that is terrifying in itself, that North Korea would pass weapons to a terrorist organization, is that people are really good... Or I should say, the intelligence communities are really good about tracing nuclear weapons back. Right? They know... And if you are a state you're less likely to give, it if you're North Korea and you give it to ISIS and then ISIS uses it in Chicago or L.A. or whatever, like somebody's going to find their way back to North Korea and then North Korea knows there's a response, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, I would hope that the U.S. is good about communicating that message. Mm -hmm. Um, we're, We're also talking about a lot of nuance. This requires the Trump administration to have a lot of nuance about all these nuclear intricacies. And I think Mattis, Tillerson, McMaster, I think they get it all. But we have to accept the fact that Trump's not going to, right? He's got to defer, or we hope he defers to them. Yes. Um,
2: the, the, the thing in all of this that really terrifies me, I think, is that nuclear weapons, rightly so, have a stigma, right? Like, we, they, they are viewed in a whole different category from any other sort of weapon, even, like, worse than chemical weapons, I think. But, but nuclear weapons are this dreaded thing, and, and again, they're terrible, and they should be dreaded. But I think because of that, there is this tendency to think that anything to prevent that becomes acceptable, right? And, and the, in this case, the the danger from, like, a conventional war breaking out between North Korea and South Korea or its neighbors, oh, yes. I, I think is potentially far worse than the danger of an actual North Korean nuclear weapon, right? Yes, I agree. But, but there's this tendency to overlook that because we're talking about nuclear weapons, right? Yeah. And that's my fear: is that in this mad dash to prevent nuclear weapons, we actually spark something far worse, yes. right? Yes, that, that's that's what concerns me, and that's the sort of nuance that definitely I, I worry that that Trump doesn't get. Yes, and and that a lot of people don't get. I don't, I think.
1: And I think it's fair to say, or at least I would say, as, as critical as I have been of Trump in all capacities, I don't think. There's a good way, a good option for him, right? There's nothing he can do, and if we're going to be honest, the the fault or the the problem here relies on we got to go back to to Bush one, Clinton, Bush two, and Obama. They were the ones who could have done something about this, either to prevent uh, the nuclear program or worked out some deal, right? That that was when this would have been solved. Right. Uh, and that's why I think the Iran nuclear deal was so important and so significant because you, you took away that incentive from Iran uh, in a way that we never did with North Korea. So all those previous administrations bear some responsibility for the, the situation we find ourselves in. Mm-hmm.
0: So. I'm advocating targeted assassinations, um, and I think we should Manchurian candidate Dennis Rodman, and we'll just solve this problem.
1: <laughs> Dennis Rodman does <laughs> on <And> done. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> Targeted assassinations were actually discussed earlier this year, if I remember correctly. Yes. That was one of the options that was put before Trump in yes. <laughs> dealing with this. Yes. But,
0: but
1: it's Sounds a, great. Apparently, it. James Mattis has been very clear that he does not want the military to act here. He would much prefer diplomacy to pursue, it, so this has been given yeah. to Tillerson. But William Cohen, the former Secretary of Defense, has come out and said, we should be thinking about military options. And that scares me, right? That somebody... Yeah who knows that there are no real good options here, are saying, like, eh, let's still try one, right? you got to have the option.
0: Well, the option is good. Just don't bring it to the table. <laughs> <laughs> Just when it gets to that point, go, hey, guys, I've been thinking about this for two to three to five years. Yeah. Uh, so i got a good plan here. Yeah. yeah. But, I
1: mean, I mean, Kim Jong-un, and or at least the administration knows, they realize that... Military is not a good option, right? They they get that the United
0: States is going to be reluctant to do that. So yeah, he's playing his hand well too. He's he's being a rational actor. How much longer can the North Korean population handle? I mean, there's a, there's a an increase in the amount of outside media coverage and mm-hmm. materials that are actually getting into the country. Would they ever get to a point where it would be an internal revolution? Yes, really. Yeah. You think?
1: I think we. I think we need to all channel George uh, George Kennan here, and uh, think about containment, and saying let's keep North Korea in its little bubble. Eventually, eventually, something will happen within, and that's better than trying to solve this aggressively with military action. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah.
2: I. 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 I think I tend to like what you're saying, Bill. Yeah. And that containment right like you have to wait this out right there's not much we can do to bring this to an end except to limit the possible damage that's done by north korea and eventually the strategic regime's going to collect
1: patience strategic patience
2: <laughs> yes but i don't i'm i am a little more skeptical along with with nick here about uh, I, I again i my my understanding of the internal dynamics of north korea are are fairly limited but my impression is that the if if you want to find an example of a dictatorship with an iron grasp on things, right, propaganda, like brainwashing, all of this stuff, like, I, I, it would take a lot, I think, for the people to turn against their leader. It doesn't mean it can't happen. So I, I I think the more likely outcome is that you have some sort of crumbling from the top than from, yeah. you know, some sort of rising up from the bottom.
1: I agree. But the system itself is not sustainable long-term. And so the question is right. whether this is, this may not happen in 10 years, but I can't see North Korea surviving 100 years. Yeah, right? I agree. Now, now, there's a lot of danger over the course of 100 years, right? There's a lot of individuals, future Kim Jong-uns, who might be more... I don't They might want to push that button, right? So we well, I mean, we'll all. have that our is...
0: force fields by then. We don't even matter. We don't need like nuclear right? weapons. It's fine. Oh. <laughs> <Should> <laughs> Sorry, we talk... I, I derailed that one. <laughs> That's good. Should, we, should we talk beers? Yes. Uh, all right. <clears throat> Phil!
2: So, <laughs> because I've not been feeling well today, I, in addition to my handful of ham, drank a San Pellegrino tonight for, for my beer. So, uh, it was delicious.
1: Um, so, I, uh, as, as if you listened last week, you knew I was traveling around northern Wisconsin and Minnesota. Uh, my uh, first beer was a uh, Paddle Break Blonde from Bent Paddle Brewing up in Duluth, Wisconsin uh and it was it was a, a nice summery beer beer it was a belgian ale uh maybe not my favorite belgian ale but it was it was really good and it was kind of uh it was a heavier belgian ale but it was it was very nice i could uh, uh i could remember my time in in duluth uh biking along the lake superior drinking it right is, is that, is that good nick right. yeah sure <laughs> <laughs> my second beer, a picture Bill. that's right uh, my second beer was from Revolution Brewing in Chicago. Uh, it is a Citra Hero, and so la- they only do this in the summer, I believe. They only they only brew this in the summer, and last summer I missed it, and so I was at the, uh, the liquor store and they had it, and it was fantastic. It is an IPA with a nice little Citra infusion to it. Um, my favorite kind of beer.
0: I love it. Yeah. So. Uh, I had a. A Guava King from Four Hands Brewing Company. Um, where are they out of? Somewhere. Somewhere. I do this every time. I don't really care where they're out of. They, they, um, they say you serve it with ceviche. Yeah, ceviche. The can is fantastic. Or an entire cow, apparently. No, it's real beef. Um, <laughs> it was, uh, I imagine, more guava out of it. It kind of tasted like a... Um, a Sour Coors Light. You wanted more guava? I wanted more guava. You don't hear that every day. No. Nick, no it's no on one the cover. St. Louis, Missouri. Right, whatever, it wasn't that
1: good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm usually the one who can't read labels.
0: Shut up. Um, yeah, I, I was not super impressed. I was expecting something kind of a little bit sweeter. Like I said, it tastes a very kind of Miller or Coors Lighty with a tinge of, of um, tropical fruitness to it. Um, and it kind of looked like uh, like melted Jolly Ranchers when you pour it. So they're probably not going to sponsor us. There. No, they're probably not. <laughs> but that's fine. This though. is the for,
2: this is the one that you're supposed to drink with ceviche. Yes. yes. Is St. Louis a big ceviche town?
0: <laughs>
1: I get all <laughs> my ceviche yep, from St. Louis. They get it straight out of the river. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, um, oh god. Your second beer. Second beer I had was a Crushinator. Uh, session IPA from Maplewood uh, Brewing Company out of Chicago. We had one of their other ones before. Um, I can't remember what it was, but this was uh, kind of a lighter IPA um, with a little um, a, kind of a tropical notes to it. Pretty good. Um, a little hoppier than I expected, but definitely drinkable. And it comes in a bigger can, so I'm all about that. Um, yeah, I, I, I liked it. Um, I'll probably have a third, um, but all of this stuff will, uh, I posted some of them to our Facebook page, um, facebook.com/barstoolpolitics, and then check, uh, check out our um, untapped account uh, on the untapped app uh, where Barstool Politics is a username. And we'll put our uh, numbered reviews for each of these as well. Somebody so has to be our friend on tap. A bunch of people are our friends. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, why Did you th- not know that? Well, I, you know, the technology. Well, it's hard yeah. for people. I'm sorry. <laughs> Bill's, Bill's very old. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, so we only have a few minutes left. Can we, can we talk Putin-Trump? Yes.
1: Can we preview what that's going to be? So tomorrow... Putin and Trump are going to have their first sit down. It's not going to be in a hallway like it's a formal meeting. Um, the McMaster, the National Security Advisor, came out and said there's
0: no agenda on the USN. Well, I'm assuming it's going to be about a five minute handshake and just staring at each other and see who breaks contact first. Oh, Putin is good.
2: Don't we think Putin is going to play him? Oh going into this meeting with no agenda is the worst idea <laughs> yeah, possible it's terrible. yeah
1: so i don't know if you guys know <laughs> this but there was a time when putin was meeting with merkel and merkel apparently is afraid of dogs mm-hmm. and he brought a dog into the meeting putin just like
2: will do whatever he
0: can That's the greatest so <laughs> the
2: the stuff that trump you know people talk about trump you like the handshake is sort of this like psychological thing right you grip and you hold on longer and yeah. Like, he, like, Trump does this in sort of a laughable way. Putin does it, like, the way it's supposed to be done, right? He's a KGB guy. Like, he has a long history of making people wait, sometimes, like, hours to meet with him, even though they have a scheduled appointment. He's the Gordon Gekko of world leaders. He's gonna eat Trump alive.
1: Well, and apparently, in the meeting, it's only gonna be six people. It's gonna be Trump and Putin, uh, Lavrov and Tillerson and the interp- interpreters, right? I mean, this oh, this is God. the worst thing. If Trump needs a team in there and he needs to be hooked up to strings so that anybody can pull on his arms when things are not going well,
2: is Tillerson even alive? Oh yeah, he's a, yeah, he's winning the petroleum award that
1: you won oh, last year. <laughs> yeah. So so the only guy with Trump is somebody who Putin gave an award to, right? <laughs> Oh my God! It's—I mean—I don't know. I don't. It probably won't be a huge deal because nothing's going to be decided there. But this will not be a win for Trump. Um, I am curious to see the actual response, though.
0: I I, there's going to be a couple surprises in there.
1: Is—is there any way Trump brings up Russia's interference in the elections?
2: No, they've already said that that's not going to be brought up. He okay. has no plans to bring up Russian interference in the election. How the hell is that possible? Yeah. How the hell do you meet with the Russian president and not even bring up Russian interference in the election? Well, you can't do it to his
0: face. It would you got all... to you do it on Twitter. It'd like all the awkward. other trolls. <laughs> That's right. Damn it.
2: <laughs> Learn the new medium. So if, if when Trump meets with the Russian ambassador in the White House on his own grounds he blurts out top-secret information. <laughs> right. Well, What's going to happen when he meets in Russia on Putin's gr- territory in, like, closed doors with no media there? Like, what what's going to happen?
1: Well, and they know, I mean, unlike Trump, Putin will have done his homework, and they will be thinking for days and weeks about, like, what can they ask him? How can they probe certain questions to get responses? Yes, he's going to Johnny Cochran the shit out of those. Right, <laughs> and, and Trump will get... And I, I'm assuming that Putin will be buddy buddy with him because absolutely Trump yeah. wants a good meeting Trump wants to walk yep. out of something to say that was great uh, and and Putin will also play the long game so maybe nothing comes from this meeting but let's say they have a wonderful meeting and, and Putin might even take a short-term hit might say something whatever it is you know to to pursue long-term goals um, to be a fly on the wall in that meeting oh, uh, would yeah. be the best fly ever <laughs>
0: <laughs> so. See
2: that fly? That fly, flying on a that's Australian great. Yeah. And if
1: there's so, a fly on the wall, it's certainly a Russian-like, you know, recording system. <laughs> right. yes. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't worry about
2: it. So it Trump, Trump, is, over. Trump is already in Europe on his way to this, on the way to the G20 it's and meet with Poofman. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, and he's already giving speeches. He gave a speech in Warsaw today that was very nationalistic, let's all work together to save the West. Mm-hmm. Bashing the media again. Um... Bashing CNN, CNN. Well, you would post it. sharing with the what was it the 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 one quote that I loved was something about how you know with Stalin and Putin the Poles, they really had a hard time didn't they? Uh, <laughs> master of understatement. So
1: well, and it's it's significant. And again, most people don't follow Polish politics the way Phil Barker does. But going to Poland is important because it is you know the their their president is pushed far right in terms of of attacking uh, press freedom. Uh, attacking, I mean, it, the democracy there in Poland is struggling.
2: They're on a they're on an authoritarian drift without a yeah, doubt. Yes. Yeah.
1: and so you know, it's, I guess it circles all the way back to an earlier conversation we had. But there was something about the press conference today between Putin and the president of Poland where they were both attacking fake news, right? So you're now in a situation where Putin, I mean, that's Putin, got Trump and other more authoritarian democratic leaders are seeing eye to eye about the danger of a free press, right? That's mm. Uh, that was not a accidental
0: decision to say let's
1: start with Poland. Yeah,
0: I, I, yeah I, I mean, what I found interesting, like I, I was, I listened to some parts of the the speech that he gave. What really shocked me was that after the speech was over, they fucking loved him at that rally. Uh, yeah, Trump?
1: Like, Yeah, it
0: sounded like a Trump rally here. Which yeah. I, I they bust supporters in. Well well, alright, fine. In Whatever Poland, Okay, you can okay do that. Hillary. Sorry. Yeah. Calm down. No, like I, I like I it is as much shit as you wanna wanna give him, like I I can't accept that all of those people were bust in just to support him. Like I, I do think that there's a Go ahead,
2: Phil. But, what? No, 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 no. I, 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 they probably weren't all busting, but that's. I think that's Bill's point, though, too. Is like that's why Poland was chosen. There, there were talks about how he's also going to visit Great Britain during this trip, yes. but he will do so on less than twenty-four hours' notice. There will be no public announcement because they don't want. They don't want the opposite. They don't want I, protesters well, of to show up. No, I, I was so, saying right, that like, yeah. he chose.
0: Yeah. I, I no. I what what I'm saying is the the nationalistic kind of. Western civilization, you know, we need to preserve our culture and our identity and, and things like that. I think that has, that resonates with a significant portion of the European population that we don't necessarily hear about all the time, for better or worse. Um, I, I don't know, I, I found that interesting and it'll be It'll be equally as interesting to see the response from other countries because he,
1: he's he's going to meet with po- he's in Poland and then he'll meet with Putin and he's meeting with Merkel at some point as well, right? Or he's already met with Merkel. Uh, so I mean, the, the contrast between all three of those meetings yeah. is is pretty significant.
2: Mm-hmm. And that that sort of message is particularly you were saying there's a there's a group of Europeans that that appeals to that, that is particularly appealing in Poland as well. Right. I mean that, that's been um, you see a lot of that in. It varies from country to country, but Poland is a good place to give that sort of, to give a Stephen Miller speech. Yes. Was,
0: was, you you posted that. Oh, the the, handshake. The handshake. Yes. Uh, So so if
1: you haven't seen it, go to our Facebook page, because, so they had the, the first couples shake hands, and they had this diplomatic meeting, and so the presidents shake hands, uh, and then the first lady for Poland... Makes a move to go shake a va- no, uh, Melania. 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 I confuse them. Melania's hand. He confuses them too. Right. <laughs> and so Trump puts his hand out, thinking that she's going to shake his hand, and she goes straight for Melania, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Oh!" The,
2: the look on his face is fantastic <laughs> yes. as he processes what's happening. Yes. Oh. <laughs>
0: um, yeah. It, um, it'll, it'll be interesting to say the least. So we live in interesting times, Nick. <laughs> oh, people are going to look back at this and go, "How the hell did people live through this giant clusterfuck?" It's it's good we're cataloging it with the podcast. Yes, yeah. Somebody yeah. the aliens will find it after the nuclear war is over. That's right. <laughs> <clears throat> um, anything else that we want to touch on, real quick? Nothing? No. I think we're good. Unless,
1: Phil, do you want to quickly, expl- you know, talk Hobby Lobby? Just like. That is an interesting
2: story. There's not a whole lot to say about it. I just find the story fascinating. Now Hobby Lobby has been, uh, uh, well, not in any. There's no. There's no criminal prosecutions or anything. So Hobby, the the president of Hobby Lobby, um, uh, has been buying illegally, uh, basically biblical artifacts out of Iraq for the last however couple of years, importing them in boxes that were labeled as sample tiles (laughs) they are actually like (laughs) thousands of year old artifacts Uh, totally illegal you cannot traffic in these in these items so he is or he's paying a three million dollar fine and surrendering all of the artifacts that he bought he was he's apparently building i did not know this until i read the article today he's building a museum of the bible in Washington, D.C., so it'll be short a few artifacts, but uh, um, there's something about the fact that almost certainly by buying these artifacts from probably the black market, he was almost certainly supporting ISIS and people like that. So uh, there's a great irony in that the president of Hobby Lobby was helping to fund ISIS.
0: But he was saving the artifacts. That doesn't matter. He was. Right. Yeah.
2: um, the fact that, some I mean, somebody pointed out, and this is a whole road that I don't know that we want to go down, but I thought it was an interesting sort of thought thing, that uh, if you buy millions of dollars, if you traffic in millions of dollars of ancient artifacts across borders illegally, you pay a fine and move on with life. If you get caught selling drugs, selling marijuana, you go to jail for interesting. years. Right, <laughs> right, oh,
0: oh. well, I mean, you're not... Hurting anyone now, per se. It's
2: just right. you know the pain doesn't trickle down,
1: Phil. Right. <laughs> Nobody gets hurt from that. <laughs> right. Other than right. it trickles
0: to ISIS a little bit. That is a, right. yeah, right. <laughs> a victimless crime. <laughs> uh, um, well, this is fun, boys. This, yeah, this is a good one. Um, uh, plugs: uh, Facebook, um, uh, Facebook uh, dot com slash Barcelpolitics. Politics. Um, Twitter at Barstool Paul, and then our individual um, Twitter accounts. Um, what else are we?
1: <laughs> oh, the uh, the Untapped. You already mentioned untapped that. Untapped. Uh, yeah. Barstool, Barstool politics.
2: politics at yahoo.com Yahoo. uh, that, that
1: email's been really, really quiet. <laughs> I get emails from <laughs> Yahoo saying like, "Is this account still active?" <laughs> you should,
2: Bill. You should. We should get rid of that, and you should just give out your cell phone number so people can text you.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, yeah. That sounds like a great idea. Maybe <laughs> next week.
0: <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Well, uh, well, next week. I'm sure we'll have updates on on Trump's trip, and you know, hopefully, we're still here and the nuclear war hasn't started. So, um, yeah. Thanks, guys. <laughs> cheers. Appreciate yeah. Cheers. It.